just when we're thinking of settling into a new reality, there's a replay of what we've experienced in the past 18 months. How disruptive is this to our psyches? And how do we prepare ourselves going forward? Hello, everyone. This is Barbara Peters with Dr. Andrea Goldmarks. And today we're chatting about how we're psyching ourselves to deal with this next wave of change. And I think psyching is the right word because just when we think we're moving out of containment, the Delta variant is waving to us all over the globe. And of course, political unrest has no stopping the loss of civility, the polarization of people. There's change in employment practices, how employers are hiring, how they're not hiring. How we're working from home or not working from home. And forced relocation, the change in the demographic. Well, and also with home ownership and economy, you know, people can't afford homes anymore. And while this is all going on, the aging process, regardless of our age, keeps unfolding with its challenges and its mysteries. And this uh, pandemic has taken such a toll on our relationships with our friends, with our family, with our loved ones. Changes in the way we even do relationship. This can be so overwhelming and it leads to anxiety, even being paralyzed, stuck, even depressed. So just when we're thinking of settling into a new reality, there is a replay of what we've experienced in the past 18 months. How disruptive is this to our psyche? How do we prepare ourselves going forward? And if we can prepare ourselves, I think we have to look backward in terms of where we've been and how we coped. And at the same time, look forward and see where those habits and perspectives and perceptions, how they fit, if they fit. But if we break it down and make it more digestible and we try on new mindsets, Maybe we'll be better equipped to deal with the present, maybe and have more clarity around actions or, or behaviors, solutions. And that really underlines the main mission and purpose of what we want to deliver to you, dear listener. We want our work to radiate so much needed relief and a different way of seeing with uniquely healing insights. I love that, and- uniquely healing insights. I do as well. I do as well. It sits so nicely on my skin. And we're so grateful, Andrea, Dr. Andrea, that your professional experience allows us that space, that room to examine the feelings, emotions, and behavior that result from this current turbulence and chaos that plague all of humanity. I think that's one of the things that's really come across very strongly is that we as individuals are not alone with it. We as people living in America are not alone with this. And we can see it all over because we have media to illustrate that nonstop. 
some of the behaviors that we adopt are fruitful, they mobilize our communities, they create more jobs and training programs, there's more spirituality, we become more aware of it, but conversely, right, some of our thoughts, emotions and actions only take us deeper into the muck. And as we can thank our dear friend, Wendy Knox, who writes so personally in her book titled From Muck to Magic, this muck that keeps us stuck with negativity and fear. So we wanna take a deeper look, don't we, at how we can prepare for change if that's possible. In many cases it is, we can see it coming. Like when you stare out, you know, when you stare out over the ocean and you see one wave, and then even if you're surfing, you serve that wave, but there's another one right behind it. We need to really look at the waves of change. And I love how you talk about researching this, right? Researching within ourselves, researching what others are doing. And because by golly, we know that if we're not experiencing change now, it's right around the corner, like around the corner in the next half hour, all around us. That's the case all the time. But now we've got a case of shared (laughs) communal trauma, communal change, uh, it's happening everywhere. So I love the researching word because we wanna be searching inside of ourselves, but we also wanna be looking around us to see what works, whose ideas have taken root with a positive outcome. So yeah, so current change, current trends, um, everything that is going on out there does require that we grow new habits which means like, number one, we have to be aware that we are in automicity, automicity, that's the word, that, that we are, we live our lives by our habits. For example, the rushing around habit, the overeating when we're stressed habit, the erratic sleep habit, especially during, you know, during the quarantine, or getting lost in me- meaningless media habit. First and foremost, we have to like catch ourselves because if we look at the habits of living that people use and begin to prepare our minds to get ready for the change, maybe we've got a little bit less anxiety, a little more hope. I love how you talk about growing new habits. You know, that reminds me, I have this vision of this wonderful tree in the forest in the Pacific Northwest with some mushrooms, it's like little chanterelles or mushrooms that are sprouting under the tree. It's like, that's what growing new, new habits means to me. I got to tell you, I was walking this morning and we live in the Sonoran Desert where it's usually very dry. And all of a sudden I said, to my husband who was walking with me, what are all those little white things on the hillside there? And he said, they're mushrooms. And I'm like, okay, this is a sign of something new growing. And um, we lost our lemon tree in the great drought of a couple of weeks ago before the great flood took over. And all of a sudden, the, you know, we cut it back to the bottom and it's growing now and it's got great leaves, leaves that I actually have never seen before. So everybody, everything is getting ready for change. And I love the association of growing new habits relative to 
our inability to stop change because we know that change happens without our control, just like the mushroom metaphor that I envisioned and you saw this morning. Um, we are growing those new habits. And you need to be prepared for things, right? So let's say a landlord tells you that you have to move out of your apartment or the home that you are leasing, and you have 45 days in which to do that, right? It's so overwhelming at first. You're wiping your forehead because that's how it feels. But you suggest that we begin with the easy things, that we prepare for it. So speak a little bit to that. Well, I think that, you know, if you look at the way we live our lives, we live our lives habitually. That's that automaticity word. We live our lives on automatic pilot. So the first thing we need to do is we need to realize what's a habit and what's not a habit. Okay. So everybody usually has some kind of a morning routine. So if your morning routine is to start your day with a cup of coffee and your doctor tells you that's not a good idea, and I'm not saying it's not a good idea. There's a lot of research that's saying it is a good idea, but let's just use that. If all of a sudden you can't have your cup of coffee first, then you become aware of your coffee habit. If you're rushing around and then you realize you have nowhere to go because you don't have to rush around anymore, you become aware of the habit of rushing around. And so the first step in preparation is always the awareness. The second step is, does this serve me? Does this serve me now? Does this still serve me? This might and by that, you mean, does this habit that I am um, experiencing now, does that serve me? Right. But I was just thinking as you were talking, let's say that a person likes to sleep in and they have their in their uh, pajamas or robe until midday. And so you ask yourself, how is this serving me? It's kind of keeping me stagnant. It's not giving me the energy that I need to propel into the day, right? So therefore, I would dress earlier. I would put on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt as opposed to being in my PJs. And that would be a great, a great move, for instance, because once you get dressed, at least you're saying to the environment around you, I'm ready. I'm ready if somebody rings the bell. I'm ready if I go outside to water my plants and a neighbor says hello. I'm ready. So that's one very good example. The other tried and true example is for people who don't make their beds, getting into the habit of making your bed says, I'm finished with sleeping. And so now I'm ready to start my day. So that's another really important way of being able to signal that you're aware of your habit. That's like first and foremost, really big. And then, you know, the letting go of the old habit, right? And the easy way is to replace it with a new habit. So let's say the new habit is drinking eight glasses, eight ounces of water. So, you know, in order to prepare for that, we need to, let's go back, the best way is to think about it the night before. Because if we wait till the morning, our old habit is knocking on our psychic door wanting to come in. But if we think about it before we go to sleep and we put a glass of water on our night table and say, 
and that that glass of water emits its own energy. It says, drink me first. Well, at least we've got half a chance. You know what I heard from someone not too long ago that they began, this was a male person and he began to drink. Is that the mailman? A man, a man, a man. And he began to drink a gallon of water a day. He intentionally poured water into a gallon sized jug. So he knew that he was completing it. And that that alone, that little factor, not so little, but that change, that change of habit in itself made a huge difference in how he physically and mentally felt during the entire day. Okay, and piggybacking on that, I'm working with a woman who has cravings for sugar all the time. It doesn't serve her. She has prediabetes, as do many people in this world. And so what she had to do was change her taste buds because the craving, we all know that sugar cravings, if you don't indulge them over, let's say, a two, three day period of time, they do diminish. Okay, but what's the substitute? So she found out through her own experience that if she drank a vegetable smoothie or a vegetable juice first thing, maybe after her coffee and after her water or vice versa, that because of the vegetables, she didn't tend to have the sugar craving. So So a simple thing like that, right? Really a simple thing uh, helped her to leave the old habit behind. So let's just refresh the two points that you made about making new habits. One was to be aware of your current habit. And then what was the second one? That was to prepare yourself at night for the new habit, to at least have a place in the life the next day. Right. And research does show that if you do, this is what we call behavioral rehearsal. I love that term. I love that term. Yeah. So if we behaviorally rehearse by imagining drinking that glass of water, you don't have to drink it at night because then you'll be up all night in the bathroom. Right. But what you want to do is envision yourself drinking that water. So you're making a suggestion to your unconscious mind, to your subconscious mind, so that in the morning when you're faced with choices or when you're faced with your habit, like before you know it, you're making your coffee, you remember that glass of water. I think that's a great idea. Let's take a look a little bit at other things that are happening in people's lives uh, relative to creating new habits biggest and easiest way is to move. (laughs) If you move and relocation is up in spades, there are more people moving around than ever before. We were talking about one of the really biggest changes, almost like the easiest way to begin to examine our habits is to see how drastically they change when we relocate. And we were saying that relocation is happening at a rapid rate for many, many reasons, which we won't go into now, but so many more people are moving here and I'm able to interview people who are in the process of relocating. And um, once they do, all their old habits really need to be fit into the new environment. 
What I just want to add to this, which I think is so interesting, you say you want to interview the people that are moving here. Well, actually, they call you to for help and assistance to help them with the obstacles and fears that they may have about relocating. And then you can get to interview them through as far as your practice and what you provide. But yeah, that was just so funny. Yeah, they well, call you. <laughs> yes, they do. And I would foresee in the future us doing some interviews with people who are willing, yes. who A, are considering relocation and feel like there are obstacles or things that would get in their way or stop them or, or fears that they might have. Um, then there are the people who have relocated in the past who made the adjustment, who are willing to share what they did in order to make things easier for themselves. And then there are the people who are in the process of doing and how they're doing and how they are preparing and what are the factors what are the variables that they're looking for so that they can make the shifts that are necessary? So I think this is a very alive topic, uh, especially with how do you begin to replant yourself? Replant. We, we use a lot of organic terms. Right? Well, we love plants. We, we like. love plants. We, we love nature. And so, right, how do you Our replant best yourself? Our right. best teacher. A best teacher, for sure. The other thing that's so interesting to me is that you've mentioned that um, loneliness is a form of a habit. Talk a little bit about that. How is being lonely? How's the idea of that a habit that we allow ourselves to sink into? That's interesting. It's pretty complex, but I will say that some of the best teachers have been the people who have moved here just prior or doing during the quarantine, because clearly wings were clipped. Right. It wasn't easy just to go places or to join groups or or to go every day to the same coffee place and then see people who are familiar and make friends. That wasn't that wasn't available. But one of the things that we noticed is that um, during the pandemic, even people who were not relocating were talking a lot about being lonely. And what we began to notice is that loneliness can very easily be considered under looking at habitual behavior. Because if you're not in the habit of reaching out, if you're not in the habit of speaking honestly about your situation, if you're not in the habit of making contact with the people in your life, or you're in the habit of waiting to be approached by other people rather than initiating, those are habits that play deeply into loneliness. So that's just a little coming attraction of a whole podcast and and part of some of the little ebooks, the relieflets that we're writing, like relief from loneliness, which is in the pipeline. So I just want to introduce it that way. We're not used to thinking of loneliness as a habit, but I think it would be helpful to do it because if you can break a habit and make a habit, you're that much more um, efficient at living your life. Break a habit and make a habit. Man, I think that's a great goal 
That's a great goal to have. And we will definitely be getting back to this because it's just like a field of possibilities, right? Of talking about it. Absolutely. But um, I wanted just to ask a little bit about uh, you and me and how we have dealt with the not feeling as lonely as some may feel during this pandemic, during the quarantine that we experienced and during this change in our lives that we are going through. So how did you survive the quarantine, Dr. Andrea? Well, I think some people might describe me as extroverted. And I, I'm reluctant to use those words because uh, I might say at this point in my life, I enjoy my solitude more than I might have when I was younger. And nevertheless, I'm in the habit of reaching out. I just, um, and, pe and people reach back to you, right? You were saying the other day how a friend uh, from high school, how you and she are reconnecting or even underlining your connection that may have waned a little bit. So there is, um, I think what you offer from a friendship perspective um, is so rewarding and that you maintain those connections. You have the skill for doing that. I, I think that I, I would consider myself easily available. Um, I, I think that sometimes if you create an illusion of aloofness, that's part of that loneliness habit. And I think that this is such a rich topic, but, you know, when people are seen sometimes as aloof and not so approachable, it's very often a habit that they developed, we developed to protect ourselves one way or the other. So I think that I would like us to reserve this conversation um, based on, you know, um, I think it's important to reserve it for a subsequent podcast so that we can really set up the um, ideas because ultimately what we want to do is we want to put good habits within the reach of everyone. And we want to research, we want to look within ourselves first, see what we can say, like I say about myself that I consider myself to be approachable. Um, so everybody can look inside themselves and see whether their countenance, their personality invites people in or kind of basically says, I'm totally self-sufficient, I don't need anybody. So let's take a look at that in our next podcast. If that's something that we think, I think it's certainly worth taking a long chat about. Yes, it's no better than about. you to chat with. Oh, oh, thank you. So um, let's just put our thoughts together to review what we've discussed, to let our listeners know what are the main key elements of what it is that we just talked about. Well, we talked about preparing ourselves to change, just even imagining that change doesn't have to be, so in many cases it is, I mean, your house is on fire, you have to change, but you see the fire is coming, what we have to look at to prepare ourselves to change.
So I think this is a good time to end. And uh, Dr. Andrea Gould-Marks, and this is Barbara Peters. And we're so excited to stay in touch with you. And please contact us with info at boomtalkmedia.com. You can go to our Instagram page, Boom Talk Media. Visit us on Facebook, Boom Talk Media as well. And let's keep the conversation going. I matched with this cutie on a dating site. We texted all the time, but never met up. Then he asked to send him gift cards for a plane ticket to see me. And that's when I remembered a tip I got from the AARP Fraud Watch Network. Gift cards? This is a romance scam. Spent that money on self-care instead. Recognize fraud sooner, so your money lives longer. The younger you are, the more you need AARP.